Hello, hello. You are listening to Lyrical Audio Candy Tour. This is where we explore books, poetry, and quotes that please every taste. So, come on, let's go. Literary treats await. Welcome back, everybody. This is a reading of Dangerous Liaisons, a book by Pierre Chevalon de Laclos. It is a book, a compilation of letters between characters, and the letters tell the story. All right, so we are on letter 72. I've got letter 72, 73, and 74 for you. Last week, I had a pretty bad cold. Uh, my voice did not sound all that good. I had my moments where it sounded okay, but, uh, you know, a girl's got to take a break. Usually I will make an announcement that I have a cold, but I just said, screw it. (laughs) I just said, screw it. So here I am, and I happen to have the day off today. I finished editing the letter 74 tonight, and so I thought I'd release this little chunk for you. All right, I hope you enjoy letter 72 through 74. Letter 72, The Chevalier d'Anzny to Cécile Volange. In parentheses it reads, Not delivered until the 14th. Oh, Cécile, how I envy Valmont. He'll be seeing you tomorrow. It is he who will give you this letter, whereas I, languishing far away, shall drag out my cruel existence in sorrow and misery. My love, my darling, pity my misfortunes, but especially pity me for yours. It is in the face of those that my courage deserts me. How terrible it is for me to have brought about your unhappiness. Without me, you would be happy and at peace. Could you forgive me? Tell me. Oh. Tell me you forgive me. Tell me as well that you love me and that you always will. I need to be told again and again. It is not that I do not believe you. But it seems to me that the more certain one is, the sweeter those words are. You do love me, don't you? Yes, you love me with all your heart and soul. I have not forgotten that those were the last words I heard you utter. How I took them to my heart. How deeply they are engraved there. And with the rapture, my heart responded. Alas, at that happy moment... I was far from seeing what dreadful fate awaited us. My Cecile, let us try to find ways of making it more bearable. All that is needed to achieve this, if I am to believe my friend, it is that you place in him the trust which he deserves. I must admit I was pained that you appeared to think so badly of him. I detected your mamma's prejudices there. It was in order to bow to your mother's opinion that I neglected this truly kind man who has done so much for me for so long. He is working to bring us together, whereas your mamma has torn us apart. I beseech you, my darling, try to look upon him more favorably. Remember, he is my friend. He wants to be yours, and it is in his power to give me back the happiness of seeing you again. 
if these reasons do not persuade you, Cecile, my love. You do not love me as much as I love you. You do not love me as much as you did love me. Oh, if ever you were to love me less. But no, my Cecile's heart belongs to me until I die. And if I have to fear the pain of an unhappy love, her constancy will save me at least from the torments of a love betrayed. Farewell, my dearest. Do not forget that I am suffering, and that it is you, and you alone, who can make me happy, perfectly happy. Hear the avowal of my heart, and accept the most tender kisses love can bestow. Pelly, this 11, September 17. Letter 73, the Vicomte de Vaumont to Cécile Volange. In parentheses it reads, included in the preceding letter. The friend who is at your service has learned you have no writing materials and has already made provisions for you. You will find in a large cupboard on the left, in the antechamber of the room you are occupying, a stock of paper, pens and ink. He will replenish them whenever you wish and believes it would be best to leave them in that same place if you do not find a safer one. He asks you not to take offence if he appears to pay you scant attention in company and to treat you as a mere child. This behaviour appears to him necessary. It will give him the security he needs to work more safely and effectively for his friend's happiness and yours. He will try to engineer opportunities to speak to you when he has something to tell you, or to give you. And if you put all your efforts into supporting him, he has every hope of success. He also advises you to give him back the letters you receive as they arrive, so that you will run less risk of being compromised. He concludes by assuring you that if you place your trust in him, he will do everything in his power to alleviate the over-harsh persecution inflicted by your mother upon two people, one of whom is already his dearest friend, and the other, who would seem to merit the most affectionate interest. In the Chateau de 14 September 17 Letter 74 the Marquise de Montreuil to the Vicomte de Vaumont. Since when have you been so easily frightened off, my friend? Is this Prevent really so very terrifying? You see how simple and unassuming I am, for I have come across this Casanova many times, and yet I have scarcely given him a glance. It took your letter to bring him to my notice. I put this right yesterday. He was at the opera, almost opposite of me, and I paid him careful attention. He is certainly good-looking, very good-looking, such fine, delicate features. He must surely be seen to advantage at close quarters. And you say he is pursuing me? He would surely be doing me an honor and a pleasure. Seriously, I dream of it. 
and I may as well tell you now that I have made the first move. I don't know whether it will succeed, but this is what happened. He was standing right next to me on our way out of the opera, when in a very loud voice I told the Marquise de, I would meet her for supper on the Friday at the Marichelle. I believe it was the only house where I am likely to meet him. I am certain he heard me. Supposing the rogue were not to turn up, tell me, do you think he will come? If he does not, I can tell you I shall be in a bad mood all evening. You will see, he will not find it so very hard to catch me. And what will surprise you more is that he will find it even less hard to please me. So he says he wants to ride six horses into the ground running after me. Oh, I shall spare their lives, those horses. I shall never be patient enough to wait that long. And you know, on principle, I do not make anyone wait once my mind is made up. And I have made up mine about him. So, admit there is some pleasure to be had in talking seriously with me. Your important advice is a great success, is it not? But what do you expect? I have been here twiddling my thumbs for so long. I have not allowed myself any fun for six weeks. Then this comes along. Can I say no? Is he not worth it? Is there any more agreeable fun in whatever sense you take the word? You yourself are obliged to give him his due. You do more than praise him. You are jealous of him. Well, I shall be the judge of you both. But first, I need to acquaint myself with the facts. And that is what I intend to do. I shall be your impartial judge. And you shall both be weighed in the same balance. As far as you are concerned, the case is already well documented and perfectly prepared. It is not fair that at present I busy myself with your adversary. Come now, do not be difficult. To start with, tell me about this triple adventure and its hero. You talk as though I was perfectly au courant when I do not know the first thing about it. Apparently, it all happened during my journey to Geneva, and your jealousy prevented you from writing to me about it. Repair this omission as soon as possible. Remember that nothing that concerns him is strange to me. I seem to recall that you were still talking about it when I got back. But I was busy doing something else, and I rarely listen to news of this sort when it is more than two days old. If what I am asking you annoys you a little, it is not a very small price to pay for the trouble I have taken on your behalf. Was it not I who reconciled you and your presidente when your stupid behavior had wretched you apart? And was it not I who placed within your grasp the means to avenge yourself for the zealous harshness of Madame de Valanche? You have often complained about the time you waste looking for adventures. At present you have them to hand. 
love, hate. You have only to choose. Everything's under the same roof. And you can live two lives. Stroke softly with one hand. Strike hard with the other. You even owe your affair with the Vicomtesse to me. That pleases me well enough, but, as you say, it should be talked about. For if in the circumstances you incline, as I suppose, to keep quiet rather than to boast about it, yet you must agree this woman does not deserve to be treated so considerately. Moreover, I have reason to complain about her. The Chevalier de Berot thinks her prettier than I could wish. And there are many reasons why I should be very happy to have an excuse to break off relations with her. Now, there is no more convenient excuse than to have to say, one cannot possibly see that woman any longer. Farewell, Vicon. Remember that in your position, time is precious. I am going to devote mine to making Preval happy. Pelly, 15, September, 17. All right, everybody, my cat Kenzie is in the room. So if you hear some scratching, it's her. Kenzie, no, 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 no. Um, okay, so I hope you enjoyed that. Halloween is right around the corner, people. I just bought my pumpkins tonight. Um, yeah, I'm I'm older and I still carve pumpkins. I really enjoy the creativity of it all. And I grew up roasting pumpkin seeds. My mom used to do that. Apparently, I thought when I was growing up that it was kind of a special thing. But actually, in reality, a lot of people do it. <laughs> I was at the dentist the other day getting a crown placed. And um, the late, I'm like, oh, yeah. She's like, yeah, I have a two and a half year old and we, you know, we're doing the pumpkin thing and so messy and I'm like, oh, do you do the seeds? And she's like, oh yeah, I grew up on that. So I guess it's pretty common. So what I do is I soak, the, I rinse them and soak them in a little bit of salt water. Do you hear her? I don't know. <laughs> I soak them in uh, salt water and then I dry them really well, put them on a baking sheet drizzle it with olive oil or canola or whatever you have. Shake some Lowry seasoning salt or all seasoned salt on there. Some regular salt, pepper, sometimes garlic and onion, uh, not powder, but it's the, like the little, um, it's not salt. It's like granules, onion granules and garlic granules just for a little kick. And then you bake them until they're kind of crispy. I can't remember what I put it as a temperature. I just kind of like throw it in there, probably like 350. And I'll just kind of keep monitoring it. But uh, I absolutely love those. It's such a tradition and I'm super excited to carve pumpkins and make my pumpkin seeds. Oh yeah. The more oil you put on, the better. I think because it almost makes the seed almost like it's fried, you know? Oh my goodness, so good. All right, have a wonderful rest of your week. Happy Halloween, and I'll catch you at the next reading.